Transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. This is right, people. This is what we do. You should really try up. You should really try and sync it up. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. Uh, welcome once again uh, to Matinee Edition, episode 54, I think Something is what like I that. I think it was 54. Email. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's been another riveting, uh, you know, week or so in the life of uh, your host, uh, you know. Uh, as always. As always. <laughs> During COVID, nothing but riveting yeah. life. I, you know, uh, it's, it, I, I don't want to call the news entertainment, but for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to pretend it is for a second. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, I will quickly off the, off the start. Yeah. Last week I got my Xbox. We said it. Oh God. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Xbox yeah. Series S. Quick take on it. What's you, up with that the thing? Whole, the whole, sh- it's fucking great to me. I've been, really enjoyed it. It's a lot more like back end stuff. It's like the games don't look significantly better. Mm-hmm. But the load times are wildly fast. Uh, that's so, so nice. I think, like, I think the example they use is that, like, Red Dead Redemption Two, <clears throat> which would take about three minutes to load on the previous generation, mm-hmm. takes about forty seconds. Dang! So it's it's Dang. What? like the games I play load up in fifteen. That's fucking like, radical, dude. It's it's a wild jump. I've seen people be like, it doesn't look any more realistic. But then you look at like the fucking CGI that happens in films where it's like, oh, Tarkin very obviously is not a real person in Rogue One. (laughs) Like you can't expect a fully animated game to look perfect. Oh, for sure, man. Like, I mean, that's just, I feel like that's picking bones a lot. I feel like gaming can be really interesting and like visually it does look slightly better. But I don't think the interesting things that you can do with games come from making it look hyper realistic. I think it's like the games that have like a cool art style and like are trying to do something different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I wouldn't, well, and I wouldn't have expected them to have drastically improved upon the graphics to begin with because like these systems that we have current, like the systems that are, well, I guess Xbox and PS4, they both like, I mean, they're both, pretty fucking on top of it when it comes to graphics the games look pretty sharp already and so it's like what more are you asking for in terms of graphics like how realistic do you think these games are going to get eventually you know i don't think i don't think we're ever going to hit a point where you're like that looks like a real person there's gonna be that's 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 sort of that's sort of it i mean look at the um you ever see that batman game that telltale games made no it was all so it's like a point and click adventure game with okay. Batman. And they're the guys that did like the Walking Dead game and the Game of Thrones game. They're all like but it's all like point and click. It's okay. not action based. There's no like open world 
It's like, here's a set piece, like find the clues, all that type of stuff. But all their games are in this cool, like really angular, like cell shaded style. Okay. And like, that's the future of gaming there. It's not about like looking super real. It's about having like an interesting artistic take on what this other world would look like. Oh yeah. And like, I see, I can already see with some of the games that are being released. There's one called the Falconeer, which is all like, it looks like a, like a flight sim, like dogfighting game, but you're on giant birds. Oh shit. <laughs> and like, it's, it's got like a really cool looking art style and it looks different. And that's that, that's the stuff I'm excited for. Nice. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And well, you can I'm, see like games like on the PS5, the Miles Morales game. And yeah, it looks fucking dope. It does look sick. I've heard that they, uh, you know, uh, the reimagining of Peter Parker it has caught some flack on that game. <laughs> Where he looks like Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was but weird like, to me. But... but I've also heard that they did this really cool thing with the, uh, the Spider-Verse costume that you can unlock for Miles Morales. Oh, I saw some clips of that where it's like it renders slower than everything else. Yeah, so it yeah. looks at like a slower frame rate. Yeah, and and I was like, that's that's fucking creative. Like that's super cool. Like what a good yeah. way to connect that. And nice I heard that touch. there's like a there's a, a Stanley tribute in that game. There's like a little Dude, I hope so. Stanley outside of like uh, some cafe in the game or some shit. There has to be. There has to be in every Marvel game. Stan the man. Ooh. I actually do have one more Marvel gaming news news tidbit. Um, what is that? <laughs> the um, the Square Enix Avengers game. Oh God! Has bombed so yes. hard. It lost fifty three million dollars. I'm so glad you brought that up. I I had that on my radar and I, I forgot it until just now. It yeah, I've heard some bad things. I've heard it's lost ninety six percent of its players. Fuck yeah, dude! I'm not surprised. So yeah. it's a live service game. So like the Destiny game I play where they're constantly supposed to be adding stuff. And at this rate, um, I saw something where it's like they're most likely just going to call it quits and just cancel any of the service, like upcoming stuff and just Square Enix is going to move on and devote their time to something else. Fair enough, man. It just, it, it, it hasn't seemed like a hot commodity you know, at all since you it's know what's a, a, a crazy. The craziest thing about that game is it is the Batman versus Superman of games. Like there's quality fucking voice actors in it. Mm-hmm. It's a well-known property that everybody loves and they still manage to shit the bed. Yeah. And that's why I don't understand. It's like everybody going into that. Nobody was like going to be like, Oh yeah, fucking, I don't want to play an Avengers game. Like everybody would be stoked to be, uh, have a chance to like, you know throw thor's hammer around or like did you ever did you ever play the um ultimate alliance games yeah totally i love the ultimate alliance games those are great they just did another one for the uh, nintendo switch oh another reason to get a switch god damn it (laughs) it's and it supposedly is a blast like they're a bit more cartoony less like realistic and it's Mm. it looks like a blast Dude, yeah, I, I love, yeah, those games. I watched, I watched a, I watched a review for the Avengers, and it was like, the intro clip was the dude being like, "This is exactly what I wanted from this game," and it's him as Captain America being the shit out of a goon, and then out of nowhere flies in Thor's hammer and pins the goon to a wall, oh. and just, oh. and then Thor flies over and grabs the hammer away from him. The dude falls to the ground. Super cool moment. Yeah. But then he was like, and this is what immediately followed. And it was his Captain America that right before Thor's hammer flew in and pinned him to a wall was in the middle of an attack animation and just froze. 
Oh. And he was like, I, I had to reboot the game after this really cool moment. What the fuck? Just like, it isn't refined enough. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking frustrating. Yeah, I know. It's, I was just like, shit, man. That's so thoroughly disappointing. Oh, it is. Damn it. Well, so should we, should we just do our quick Marvel news? We didn't have much. But. No, yeah. I mean, Marvel news, usually light uh, right around now because they don't have anything coming out, including WandaVision. WandaVision. God damn it, dude. I saw, I saw it's a, a meme that was like WandaVision's release window, January 15th, 2021, January 15th, 2022. Uh, I hope not, man. Fuck so it, right? Dude, we've all just been like waiting for that for that marvel tea to start squirting out something for us to enjoy Dude, <laughs> it's been over a year and we were all warmed up for wandavision and here they are just fucking pushing it off yeah because it was supposed to drop this month if, wasn't that correct yeah end of november bastards i do and have i do have i do have a theory though that, that they were that they pushed it and are okay with it because they've they didn't want to divert attention away from the mandalorian oh man because the Mandalorian season two will be done by then. I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think you're probably right a little bit. Like that's the, that's, that's the bad thing about Disney owning all these properties is that like it schedules things. It could potentially be scheduling things for their own benefit like that, where it's like to propel viewership on our Disney plus service and keep membership high on there. We're going to release like one or two things staggered at a time. Well, that's what the DC universe plan was where it was going to be like, Oh, fucking, uh, uh, teen Titans is being released. And then a week after that ends, um, what was discount suicide squad? The doom patrol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doom patrol. Doom <laughs> cool though, dude. Doom I've heard, I've heard it's great. I don't have, I don't have HBO max though, but then it was going to be like doom patrols coming out. And then Swamp Thing is going to come out a week after that. Mm. So their their entire play was like, we're going to keep people subscribed month by month because yeah. there will always be a drip feed of stuff. Yeah. And like I, that's I what I imagine Disney Plus was going for. Yeah, fair. I mean, I guess I, I, I don't, I guess, how do I say this? I don't mind it if it's like a certain property. If you're taking like a bunch of DC stuff and you're yeah. like going to do like DC after DC after DC. But to like, it sucks to say like, oh man, I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, I have to wait for the Star Wars thing to wrap up in order to watch yeah. this Marvel thing. It's like, why can't I? I will say, I think that their end game per se would Ooh. be to have a, um, to have a release where it does end up being like, oh, there's like a couple months of Star Wars, and then there's a month, and then another Star Wars show, mm-hmm. and then maybe at the same time, like, oh, there's a Marvel show going on. And there's a break for a month and then another Marvel show releases. Fair enough. I mean, I yeah. Downtime in between. Otherwise people get burned. Like, well, like yeah. what happened with the Netflix Marvel shows. People just get burned out. There has to be downtime. Agreed. And I, I don't mind the downtime. I think it's good. I think it, it forces you to like look for other things in the meantime, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I just, I just finished Peaky Blinders because there was yeah. absolutely nothing else to watch. Talk about, have you watched the entire the entirety of Peaky Blinders? I'm pretty sure. Tommy gets fucking crazy, man. Like, he goes, Dude, he like, literally starts, like, I think, losing his mind. <laughs> he's becoming suicidal. I just finished yeah. the, at the end of season five, and he's holding a gun to his head, and that was it. And I was like, fuck! This is yeah, everything dude. that's left. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it becomes, like a, a, like, a really strong plot point where you're just like, is he going to fucking off himself? Like, at some point? Like, is he, is that part of this? Is like, <laughs> you know? I will... 
this is, we weren't planning on talking about Peaky Blinders, but uh, just out of curiosity, who is your favorite character on Peaky Blinders? Oh, what's the lady? What's the the Polly? Lady? Yeah, Molly. Polly. 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 No, yeah, the, I, it's been a while since I've watched it. To be honest, the sort of motherly figure. Yeah, dude, but she's badass. She constantly she's, she's she is a badass. To her advantage, she like fucking she'll fucking off you, dude. She's she's a a fucking gypsy, dude. <laughs> like, dude it's, spoilers. Uh, when she killed Campbell at the end of season two, mm-hmm. I was so fucking happy. And that's what I mean. Like it's and it's rare in shows like that that you see a female character that badass. I, I'd say, and yeah. so it's a really surprising thing in that ensemble of really great characters and character yeah. actors. Yeah, and so it's it, it was just fucking like it was surprising to me. I will say, um, like a very similar show to Peaky Blinders, um, Sons of Anarchy, mm. different time period, but it hits a lot of similar beats. They totally like they have the female motherly figure that's like alongside all the biker gang and everything. Yeah, uh, and uh, Katie Seagal, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, her name is, her name is Gemma. I'm pretty sure she, but her character is essentially relegated to being like the drama queen of the group mm. that like stirs up bullshit when none's really happening. <laughs> and, life's boring. It was fucking. <laughs> well, it's like she, she just gets up and everybody's shit and creates drama and ends up yeah. getting somebody killed every season. Like that's, that's what her character ends up boiling down to, but it's always because of stupid shit. Yeah. And that's why I like Polly is because she actually feels like she has her own motivations rather than being this random character that stirs bullshit and like stirs the drama pot once a season. I agree. I agree. And that, again, like that's a strong reason why I think she's a great character too. It's because she just like, uh, and you see it with a lot of those characters in Peaky Blinders in particular. It's so well-written that show. Yeah. Um, that like you just like the storylines just creep up on you they come out of nowhere but they're really strong and she has some really strong ones like dude my my favorite character on the show is arthur oh yeah i can love him (laughs) he's because i feel bad for him all the time yeah and there's that scare that he died mm -hmm. i was fucking devastated dude it's well with him it's like a combination of like he's their he's their fucking bulldog dude like yeah and at the same but at the same time you feel bad for him because it's like you know he's seen all this shit but you're like what would he be like who would he be if he wasn't forced to like deal with all this shit and like be the guy that goes out there and like gets crazy and fucking kills somebody you know <laughs> like yeah i think i would he would be my favorite character if he had more of a role to play but tom hardy alfie solomons is so fucking entertaining oh yeah for and sure. him him talking about arthur was hilarious it's like i'm gonna need another hundred quid because his fucking brother will come after my balls <laughs> 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 it's dude that, that show that show is great recommend to all the viewers or, or listeners it's phenomenal and the six seasons due to come out in the next few months they're filming it right nice. now nice well, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, that's like one of the one of the only solid find like things on uh, out of uh, the Netflix. Or, what is it? No, it's not a Netflix original, is it? It's BBC, and BBC. it's being dis- oh, it's being like distributed it. by Netflix in the U.S. It's as part I'm, of the same deal as Great British Baking Show. Fair enough. Uh, it's like as I was saying it, I was like, no, that show's too good to be made by Netflix. a Netflix original. <laughs> like, I've been burned by so many Netflix originals. There are some gems, but I've just I've I've tried so many out, and they're just like. They're duds. <laughs> Altered Carbon got canceled. 
Uh, so somebody actually recently told me that I've never gotten into Alter Carbon. I've watched. I guess. Like a few I guess the second season dropped on like a hard cliffhanger. Hmm. Well, that's gonna be like ups- and, and and that's it. It's just after those two, they canceled after the two. Apparently. Oh, dude, that's lame. Um. Well, that actually brings me to another topic we we're going to talk about. Um, David Fincher, the director. David. Okay. Fincher, his series Mind Hunter which is about kind of like the early formations of how the FBI started uh, kind of analyzing and dealing with like serial killers. I've heard it's fascinating. It really is. It's actually really fascinating, but apparently have, have you watched it? Uh, most of it. I'm, I'm like still working my way through the, through, through I mean, it, but. I've after Peaky Blinders, I've ran out of things to watch some like, tell me anyone, everyone, please give it a try, man. It's, I think it's interesting. Um, All right, I'll check it out. But yeah, apparently it got can- it got canceled, and he was none too happy about it, and uh, which makes sense. But you know, I, I I feel like somebody of David Fincher's position probably should just like move on to the next project. I guess <laughs> like because he, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're are you familiar with some of his work? He did like Fight Club, yeah. uh, The Social Network. You know, he's he 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 he's pretty prolific in his fucking work, honestly. Yeah. And, um, but he just recently came out with this quote, like this, like this interview that he was talking about Joker and I would have figured he would have been like into that movie. Yeah. Uh, and apparently he just like, he, apparently he wasn't, he wasn't about it. Can you, you, can you hit us with the quote? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, like the, the, he, I can, I, can, I don't remember what he was talking about, but he, he references like taxi driver Annika and this character from the King of comedy. Uh, his quote is like, I don't think anyone would have looked at the material and thought, yeah, let's take Travis Bickle and Rupert Pumpkin and conflate them and then trap them with, trap them with betrayal and, uh, or trap them in betrayal of the mentally ill and trot it out for a billion dollars. And it, it, he goes on to say like some other things, but it's it, what he's alluding to is that like, he thinks that movie, the movie, the Joker uh, was sort of, misrepresenting mentally like the mentally ill and i don't just dis- i don't i don't disagree with that but i think his, his anger over it is that it became a big budget movie or it began or it made yeah. a lot of money not a big it I wasn't a big budget it, movie. it sounds like his it. anger with it is that it's derivative as well like it's it's made a lot of money it was big budget but its ideas were very obviously derivative of other things yeah and and but I wonder if like he has the same viewpoint for things like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, you know where it's like I, I argue that uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is probably a better representation at times of mentally ill currently uh, than like uh, you know works like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and and yeah. that's hailed as like a classic. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think. I agree with you at sometimes, you know, sometimes it goes sort of off the rails, but I think, and this is coming from somebody who doesn't have a serious mental illness, so, but I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's fascinating. I do think that that's a really thought provoking quote, not just because of the mental illness part, mm-hmm. but because of his sort of how he was talking about conflating these two different characters with mental illness as if that yeah. was like a character trope. Yeah. In which you can, somebody could make an argument for that in present filmmaking is that a lot of films have been using mental illness as a 
crux of character. But arguably that's because it's becoming a rising issue in today's yeah. society. It's re- it's more relevant than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Which So that brings me to one thing I want to see your take on. As soon as you read this to me before the show, I thought of this. Do you feel like Joker using such similar Im- imagery from like, was it the the, com- the comedian or something like that? Yeah, the and King's of Comedy. The King's of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Do you think that's more leaning in the direction of taking a derivative, being derivative of certain plot lines and films? Or is it more of an homage to that? I think it's more of an homage to that because o- overall you don't see like, the, I mean, the similarities stop pretty quick. I, yeah. I'd say like there's, and that's why, that's why it, it, it's an homage, right? It's like, um, it's similar imagery. Like the vibe, the, yeah, the imagery and the vibe uh, is reminiscent at times and purposely done so. Uh, yeah. Todd Phillips, I think purposely designed some aspects of that movie to like pay tribute to tax driver. Cause, cause particularly that movie, I think, um, they even fucking had De Niro in Joker. Well, I know, and that and that's like the ultimate, right? It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the ultimate though. It's like and and but that's where I think it's the it's it's that homage again though. It's because like, and it's, it's a tip of the hat in this weird way to have De Niro's character killed, like just yeah. shot in the fucking face. Like it's like I don't know. I I, I think I think what we run into in terms of movies and these days is that we see less of those kind of like subtle homages and like more, it becomes more more overt. Yeah. More people just trying to like redo the same, like basically just modernize the same things. And, and that, that, those are kind of, I mean, those are drastically different. Like I don't like Kevin Smith makes a great, I, I, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but Kevin Smith makes a great, point of it in his movie jay and silent bob reboot which mm-hmm. is purely made for fan service right yeah but they call, they talk about how reboots and uh sequels and stuff are are, are different and yeah. you know that, that's what we're we're running into is that you're seeing directors like david fincher and others uh, martin scorsese we've talked about on on this podcast uh you know not understanding why people are just wanting to rehash things and redo the same fucking things and like why they're trying to do these modern uh, things in cinema. Yeah. And it's, it's because that's what like the odd, that's where the audience is. And I'm not like trying to knock, I'm not trying to say like uh, that's good or bad. It's just, that's why you see people doing these things uh, and producing this kind of entertainment and art. It's because they're they're being reflective of the audience that they have and Scorsese directing his greats when he did and whatnot, like that was a reflection of where cinema was at that time and what yeah. he wanted at that time. And so it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, it's just, it's interesting because you're just really starting to see the shift in entertainment. Like it's, I think it's fascinating because it's, it comes back to that. I, I don't know who said it, but, it's like in cinema, originality has been dead for a long time. Mm. It's been dead since the beginning of cinema. It's <laughs> like, at, at, seriously, like the same tropes and the same motifs are recycled over and over again. It's just at this point, now the general population is now literate enough in the art of cinema to become prolific enough in the past 20 to 30 years that now we can see those tropes being recycled. 
Exactly. And, and now it's even, it's even being more pointed to through such direct imagery as we saw in Joker. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it leans more towards homage because if you're saying that it is exclusively um, Kings of Comedy and Taxi Driver with mental illness, then you're sort of dismissing the interesting elements of the film itself. Like you can take pieces of other things and inspiration from other things. It's, but it's something totally different. Absolutely. And, and I mean, in this particular like example, like you're, you're also taking away like the idea that it has Joker and the world it, it is involved in has this greater lore than that yeah. movie has could ever present. And, and yeah. that's just by entering, entering it into Gotham city you know, and having claim having the title Joker, you know, it's and so it falls into the same category. Like, if it, it, it sounds like David Fincher is likening it to a Transformers film, yeah, more than a like, really, you can make a pretty valid argument for sequels and reboots draining creativity from Hollywood, but Joker wouldn't be the film to target. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like I was like, I was like, of all things that come out, come out swinging at, it just seemed so weird for him and uh, like a director that I, 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 you know, respect his work uh, to like come out of that that movie. I was just like, well, this seems strange. I yeah, figured he, I figured he would have, he would have been into that. <laughs> but, I know. Like there are plenty of other DC films that you can make a much better argument for stealing imagery. Well, totally. But, like, I mean, in Batman versus Superman, there's the fucking shot of Superman silhouetted by the sun do, looking like Jesus. Yeah, dude. Talk I mean, about it, the, mo- the most Snyder, classic trope. Snyder makes Superman so Christ-like in, in the, his movies that it's fucking, re- it is, it's absurd. And it's just like, I don't know, like, it, anyway. It's like they're much, they're much easier targets, targets than Joker because yeah. Joker actually did something interesting with the existing lore that we had never seen from that character in this medium. Exactly. And I, I think, think that's, that's the difference. I think David Fincher's just butthurt that Todd Phillips pulled off something he couldn't. I love that Todd Phillips, before Joker came out, was like, he was asked at some point, like, the world's too fucking serious for comedies and everybody hates one when I put it out. Because I made some politically incorrect joke. So I was like, what's the only other genre that I can make provocative filmmaking in? And he was like, it's dramas because people take them seriously. Yeah, it's true, man. And as we see, dude, like he shines even even in drama. It seems like he I know. is so fucking good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what like what else comes from. David Fincher said, I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes from the Joker movie. Cause you know, like the success of that, they have to obviously be looking at how they can like make subsequent films in that same kind of style, perhaps like one off origin stories or something. I wrote a paper recently where I essentially opened talking about how Iron Man started this Renaissance in filmmaking for specifically for the superhero genre where it was higher production value. It was taken more seriously, but it established a style that has been followed nearly constantly ever since. Mm-hmm. I think Logan less so, but Joker absolutely are, lay, are laying the groundwork for more serious films. And I think the Batman coming out soon is going to continue that trend. 
where not every superhero has to be this happy-go-lucky fucking blockbuster that yeah. sort of touches on some heavy subjects, but never really goes super into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Shazam is a really yeah. entertaining movie and it's great Absolutely. to get the whole family into the character and everything. But Joker is a way better movie for different reasons, <laughs> but like they're, yeah. they're they, they, they can, they can exist within that same idea of like, you know, DC movies, but they don't yeah. have to be, I don't know. It's just, that's yeah. much more ac- accurate to how comics actually are too. Exactly, dude. Like, I don't know. It's like people forget that when Marvel was, you know, like Marvel had the main 616. Yeah. And people were wanting something grittier, right? And so they they launched the Ultimates line. Yeah. And and it became this whole other thing, right? That's like what we're about to see in movies. And that is thanks to the Joker. We're about to see a line of movies that takes themselves more seriously. And I agree with you. We can also you know, Logan is at the forefront of that as well. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Like, I think it, it forged its own. It's like a whole different path for itself because it was trying to end like, a whole era of things. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think we're about to kind of see an interesting idea that like where we can have two different types of like the same kind of, I think, <laughs> I think Joker being a billion dollar movie has essentially opened the floodgates for studios to be like, Oh, we can alienate part of an audience with a film. Like we don't have to, (laughs) we don't have to strictly rely on making a relatively kid friendly Avengers movie that the entire family can go watch and it can entertain everybody. It's like, we can still make a shit ton of money by making a film that only adults can enjoy. And you might not be able to take your seven year old too. It's because they forget, man adults are the ones paying the bills that's it man <laughs> like, that's that's true it is man it's crazy um dude i wrote speaking of another thing i wrote i wrote a paper on fucking jennifer's body a horror mm-hmm. film a soup like a, re, a cult classic horror film from like 2009 yeah, yeah. with megan fox and adam brody and adam brody <laughs> and in the um in the background of that film also i think jk simmons is in it um in the background so. It was fresh off of Diablo Cody, I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, she just had gotten off of her Juno success. Uh, Yeah. Well, so that film, I I looked up some behind-the-scenes stuff. It was specifically talking about failed marketing attempts. Mm. And it was, I looked up some behind-the-scenes stuff. That's a rated-R film, so 17 and up, that's target audience was 12 to 14-year-old boys. Yeah. Said yeah. by the marketing team, and it doomed it financially. It barely yeah, we, made money. It's yeah, well, and you know, like we were just joking about, it, but it's exactly that, dude. It's 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 parents, kids might have been into that trailer because they all like got really horny seeing seeing Jennifer's body, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Megan Fox was in it, coming off the back of Transformers. Exactly, and and actually, she has gone on uh, and done interviews saying that that movie particularly set her experience and image in terms of like hollywood and like yeah. being an actor back considerably uh because like yeah. coming off of transformers she was made into this like weird sex idol and then like jennifer's body she was marketed as this as this like sex symbol and that's not even what the movie was really about <laughs> like, yeah. like i was in writing my paper i was like oh shit the new york times wrote an article about jennifer's body in august of this year yeah it's become like if, relevant again for sure. I know. I was like, if this film, this film was just ahead of its time and badly marketed. 
Absolutely. That, it's, dude. Fascinating. it's fascinating. And that's why it's cult, man. <laughs> and that comes back to my original point in life. Everything cult is better. <laughs> Should we quickly? Because we're, we're, we're nearly at time. Yeah, we've got just a couple minutes left. Isn't Let's... the hype real for fucking Ahsoka and the Mandalorian? We got to see is... Bo-Katan. Oh my God, dude. This week's episode was so sweet. Not only did we get to see these other Mandalorians in action, we officially got confirmation that the kid and Din Djarin is on his way. Isn't that right? That's his name? What's his last name again? Something Jarn, like that. Yeah, whatever. They're going to be on their way to go find Ahsoka Tana. And dude, that's I think I'm my theory, my theory's panning out that Ahsoka's out hunting down Jedi. Dude. Well, I mean, she, like, if you think about it, like, somebody, there has to be somebody left in that universe going around looking for Force-sensitive people. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean? They put back to the Jedi. Come on. It's got to well, be her and Luke and well, Leia. Oh. Yeah, I guess. Well, but I mean, do you really think that like she... Well, Leia's doing politics at this point, so. Yeah, Leia's probably just like, well, I mean, she's also Well, Leia was training though. She's uh, with Luke though, uh, probably at this time. Well, yeah. She was probably training, but then she was also like leading the New Republic. Yeah, fair enough. The resistance or whatever. Which I I, think... I will say I'm excited. I hope they start delving into the stuff from Rebels because we've seen animated characters making their jump to live action. Mm-hmm. Like it, I think uh, Forrest Whitaker as Saul Guerrero opened up the floodgates, but they were like, oh, these really compelling animated characters can be brought into live action, interestingly. Fair enough. And yeah. in Rebels, they like sort of, like Thrawn was in that, and mm. they dropped it on a cliffhanger where like the main character forced a jump into the, like a random part of deep space. And nobody knows if like Ezra Bridger, who was the main character of Rebels and was a Jedi in training pre-Luke, he disappeared into the outer reaches with Thrawn and nobody knows what happened to him. Oh, dang. And they ended that show with Ahsoka and another Mandalorian being like, we're going to find him. Fair enough. Well, maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's where you'll see some of this story going then like i'm, what pre- they found. I'm pretty sure they did a time jump and right when they were leaving to find him it was right after the empire fell so it's lining up interesting well that's fucking cool yeah because yeah. i mean seeing bo katan was really like really awesome i had to, i mean obviously seen the casting news and whatnot but yeah like i actually didn't see like, the, i didn't see the bo katan casting news that totally oh yeah yeah on surprise for sure dude i like i had heard about it and everything but i was just like well, how are they going to implement this you know like and I mean, yeah. just the, the, the episode itself was just really like a, a pretty cool episode seeing the, the our Mando interact with these different Mandalorians who yeah. clearly don't, don't live the same style, sort of lifestyle. <laughs> it, it confirmed one of my theories where I was like, I think I've said this on the podcast. It was like some Mandalorians take off their helmets in the animated shows. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if our Mandalorian is part of like an extreme like cult that's super pure, like into yeah. the pure ways of their race well and that's what we get the confirmation of is right yeah. is like that like he grew up in this like extreme group but that was that is just like all about bringing the old ways back or whatever and yeah and bo katan and her crew are are more about just kind of modernizing mandalore and taking it back and like fucking, fucking the empire over <laughs> fucking bakshi yeah, do you notice that too yo <laughs> I, Bakshi I, from Agents of Shield. Yeah, I was like, "What is happening here? <laughs> They're plucking people from all over the place." 
But uh, I, I, and then also there was that other, uh, the, the dude who was the general that was going to kamikaze the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't remember. What's I couldn't, his name? I can't remember, but I've like seen him and he's like one of those guys you see in them like, all, like as like a background, but like prominent background character. Yeah. <laughs> and so in he's, he's in, he's in the, uh, Paul Giamatti club of not being recognized of being recognizable, but f- forgetting the name. Fair enough, man. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was, I mean, despite the MCU withholding WandaVision from us, it has been a fairly like good entertainment week. You know, we're getting more as the year closes. I think I will, I will say props to Ludwig Gorson, the composer for, uh, the Mandalorian. He also does production for Childish Gambino. Oh, geez. And you could hear a bit of that coming out in the, uh, while they were on the ship taking it. There was like oh, yeah. a trap beat going on in the background. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah, dude. And, and you know, once again, this was an episode that reminded me that, you know, like even though they're involving characters that have been established, they're, they're building a, uh, their own kind of vibe and the, this like different way of telling a Star Wars story. Yeah. And it shined I, through with this episode as well. I also think it's important. They showed how you could translate a character into a new medium. Mm-hmm. And like Bo-Katan it wouldn't be confusing to a new viewer, which is a nice touch. Like I was like, Oh, that's fucking sweet because I watched the clone wars and rebels. Mm -hmm. But then somebody who hadn't seen the clone wars or rebels could see that and be like, Oh, she's like the, she's the next in line for the Mandalorian throne. Fair enough. And she's ruthless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see more of her in this series, in this season. I hope that the Mandalorian ends up culminating in them taking back Mandalore. Yeah. I mean, I think that that might be a direction that we had that it heads. I mean, I think it'll at least be a plot point further down yeah. the road, you know, I, I really hope so. Just because they're, they're sort of laying down the groundwork with uh, the, the Moff Gideon or whatever. Yeah. And him having the dark saber and him looking like a Mandalorian as well. Yeah. And like so, Bo-Katan is very set on getting that dark saber back from him. There was a whole thing in Rebels about how there are Mandalorians working for the Empire. So we might see like a Mando on Mando fight. Dang. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right, so, man. It's about time, right? It's about time. Drink uh, some Oatly hot dogs. Get online. Follow us on that Instagram at Old Heart Radio and uh, over on Twitter at Old Heart and Space. Ooh, maybe, maybe Jared will get his Twitter banned before you follow. <laughs> Well, you know, gotta keep it classy and sassy on Twitter. <laughs> classy and sassy, and, and keep insulting Lindsey Graham. There we go. Hell yeah! Uh, thanks for listening. Always, as always, hot dogs. It's, it's uh, nice to have an excuse to for to find a good break from uh, all the other shit around. But make Amen. sure you wash your dirty paws and stay safe. Either way. There you go. All right. Well, this has been episode fifty-four. I'm Jared. This is Lucas. Peace <laughs>